right, you know what that means. Welcome to the mystery of parenthood. It's Trey Cashin. Stephanie's not here today, so I've got Caleb joining me uh, hey, on Trey. this. So, yeah, I'm glad you're here, Caleb. And uh, we're going to be in, as we always do, with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. God, Lord God, from you every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. You are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families and of all the families of the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for, pray for us. us. St. John Paul II, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So today, um, unfortunately, Stephanie couldn't. We we had surgeries with grown-up kids and anyway, work. Uh, she had to tend to. And, uh, but I thought it was kind of something we needed to do to come back in because it's kind of been on my heart, not really sure why, um, that parents, we should encourage parents to tell stories or to pass on stories to their kids, not necessarily tell. We're going to talk about different ways that you can do it, but how important that is for that. So first and foremost, what I always say is, I mean, the father of fathers, our God and father, uh, left a book of stories <laughs> and inspired a book of stories that help us to understand who we are in light of him and who he is. Right. And so that is um, the way he raises us, so to speak, by passing on how he's acted in the past um, and how people have responded. And that gives us, because I think, I mean, the thing about stories, uh, and you can get, why share a story? Well, sure, stories teach lessons without you having to teach a lesson, without a lecture. They, right. they, give you, they give you something to talk about that's not kind of in your, I mean, there's, there's places for lectures, there's places for that, but the stuff that gets brought in internally are things that I think people remember are particularly inspiring stories, right? I mean, what did John Paul II do in Poland? I mean, he tried to read you know, theater and he wrote stories right, that were that right. kind of kept that, right? I mean, because he realizes that something about the culture flows from um, sharing stories, whether they're real life or they're fictional, doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. And <clears throat> one of the things, you know, um, as an English teacher, I would always tell my students is um, I would ask them, you know, I understand why your teachers before said uh, fiction or nonfiction equals real, fiction equals, and they'd all say fake. And I said, I understand why your teachers would teach that. However, I really dislike that because right. fiction isn't a fake story. If it was just a fake story, it wouldn't resonate with us at all. Fiction is a story that might be made up, but it says something true. Right. And if it didn't say something true, we wouldn't care about it. Um, and so storytelling and reading stories to children and, and encouraging them to read stories for themselves is a way for them to encounter truth in a way that sometimes almost sneaks in right? because it's not, let me lecture you about this thing or that thing. It, it is implicit oftentimes. Right. And I think, I mean, even in my own case, I know when you 
when you read something, it's, it's, a, it's an effective way to teach. You may have a discussion afterwards, not, not, not a lecture. Like, well, why do you think that person acted this way? Or what did you think the message of the, of the story was? Or mm-hmm. anything like that. And that, that's a great conversation to have if you can share story. That's the other thing about a story is it's something we can actually share our experience of it in, in a way that allows for dialogue and conversation from which can come fruitful um, ideas, concepts, whatever. And you can get to know other people better because you you get to hear their perspective on it right? and their ideas on it. Um, and you're not just limited to your own. That's why you know, it's, it's great. It's great to read by yourself. It's even better to read with a group, with right. a group. Right. Yeah. So yeah, Stephanie does, and she would speak, she's been in a, a book club where they, where they read books and I, I usually get sent upstairs, but, <laughs> but, but I hear how much that fun they, 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 they read together and do that. So I think as a family to read together, what, one of our favorite ones we've talked about before Oh my gosh, I'm going to forget what the name is. Um, Jotham's Journey, and it and and to this day, our kids in college will ask if we can do it. Well, Jotham's Journey is an Advent um, children's story that kind of goes from day one, and it fits into the Advent season. So you read one a one a day or one a night takes maybe ten or fifteen minutes. We've brought it up on the show before, but the fact that we have, as they got older, we would share, well, you can read tonight, I can read tomorrow, but it was the story of a, of a child who realizes that he's, I mean, you don't know what the story is other than they're following a star, but this kid goes through all these different uh, people, it's an adventure, um, and anyway, at the end, Come to find out, he's somehow related to uh, maybe it's I want to maybe it's it's uh, Saint um, not Saint Anne uh, who's Elizabeth um, the one that Jesus the, that Mary goes to visit. But anyway, they know they're familiar with that story, kind of the the back end of it. But it also draws people in and it creates a community too. Because like I said us reading that together got us focused on the time of the year. Yeah. It, it allowed for conversation. It was entertaining. And it, it, and the thing, crazy thing about stories, I mean, we did that for years. So everybody knew how it was going to end. There was no, (laughs) I mean, you could rehash it once a year. And like I said, as, as recent as maybe a year or two ago, a college student came back and said, Hey, could we do Jotham's journey again? Now the problem is, is, it's better when you have your kids at home, they're at school and they're not always there. So it's kind of hard to keep up with it. But anyway, I think as a family, it's a good idea to um, build that into your day-to-day or at least part of what you do as a family. Right. Yeah. We, we do it in our house as part of like the bedtime routine. We always read before bed. Yeah. Um, Usually we read, um, uh, my wife, Hannah will read something that's a little bit shorter. Um, lately she's been reading the, the adventures of Tintin. I think I've heard of that. They're like some kind of like old graphic comic strips kind of, um, and, uh, the boys love them. And then, um, then we usually read something, some kind of chapter book or something. Um, right. Like we read Lord of the Rings. We just finished oh, wow. Tom Sawyer. Um, and it's a great opportunity to, um, you know, you all talked before on the show about kind of seizing teachable moments. A hundred percent. And yeah. it, when you're reading to your children, so many teachable moments come up. And so it, it's a way to almost generate teachable it, moments. And you, and you, and really as a parent, you want to do that. Right. And that's part of like, sometimes you don't know what it's going to generate, but you know, by the mere participation in it, that something is going to be generated. And you get better at recognizing those moments too. Right. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I, that's, that's what I think. That's why I think we, we like sports in our family. We like reading because there are just, there are moments that, that occur 
and you do have to be kind of have your antennas up mm-hmm. <laughs> so that you recognize, okay, here's a moment. Here is something that we can stop into. Now, if, if you're in the story, I've always got accused of just go ahead and finish whatever you're reading before you start interjecting the, the yeah, teachable I moment. I, I do it. I was like, come on, Dan, can we just finish? Can we finish it? And then we can mm-hmm. talk about it, <laughs> you know? So, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to adjust, but, but I think anything that you can do that there's a shared experience. So like sports, it could be anything, a shared experience, family, whether it's, spectating or being a part of reading a book together, you're hearing it and experiencing it together. It's a shared moment. And then there's great opportunities to kind of draw out, Oh, what, you know, what do you think about that? And I think that's very important. And I think um, about that shared experience, uh, when you talk to um, young adults, um, you know, twenties, thirties that, stayed Catholic, one of the things they always look back on is those shared experiences with their family, I think. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, it's not always the, we're going to sit and we're going to teach you about the Bible right now. It's not always those things that, right. you know, keep a kid Catholic as they grow up. It's those shared experiences. It's reading a book, whether it's Lord of the Rings or the Jungle Book or whatever. It's not always... Um, they're Bible lessons that keep them Catholic. Right. No, and and that's, I mean, again, you're creating a culture that it would include the Bible, mm-hmm. um, but you're, you're creating a culture of, okay, reading is something good. Learning from what happens in the event, uh, in the events of a story are always things that actually are kind of ingrained. I mean, you can remember... You may not be able to remember, okay, this is what this means, but you can remember here's the story as it unfolded right. and here's the lesson. I don't, there's something that makes it more ingrained, which we've always, we've always thought that that's what you're really trying to do is make it part of who they are, not something that's being imposed externally. Right. And so by sharing in stories, that's the case. I mean, well, and as they grow and mature, um, you can't understand great literature without an understanding of the Bible. And so right, yeah, actually the two things, they, they go together. And right. so reading good literature helps you understand the Bible and reading the Bible helps you understand good literature. And as a child matures, they're, that's going to uh, uh, come to fruition more and more, and they're going to be able to um, uh, do both. Right. And so it, I mean, Again, knowing the stories, I mean, I mean, I'm, you're you're making me think of a couple things. One, uh, you know, God forgive me. I went to the University of Texas, and and one of the songs, you know, the 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 uh, alma mater ends with "Till Gabriel blows his horn," and I just was asking the kids the other day. I said, "What is that a reference to?" I mean, and it took them a while because they've always sung the song. But it's because they know that's the end of the world. I mean, that's when Gabriel comes, blows his horn, and Jesus is on his way back, and we're good. So, so having an awareness of of those illusions is important. That comes with with the Bible story, right? And so, um, and I think it also helps. It, it part of part of particularly reading the Bible, but any any story is being able to link it to your own life. And particularly if you can link it to a story of your own. And I'll, I'll give this example. I, I may have told it before, but we were, we, Stephanie and I were going through some extraordinarily rough financial times. And it was, it was, um, it was a very scary moment in our lives. And um, we had said a prayer and the next morning, I had prayed and was going to do something, but I, but because my kids had, had, had the uh, beginner's Bible, which is just, I mean, it's, it's not, it doesn't have a, uh, Neil Opstad or anything like that. It's just the stories, but they had read it so many times 
that I could come and say, hey, guys, do you believe God provides manna today? It, if they had, I mean, some people would have no idea what that is, but that's what was, it was provided daily provision for the, for the Israelites as they were in the desert to provide what they needed for that day. And they knew that story. And my son said, yes, dad, I believe that he does. And I said, good, because we need manna today. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so, so the story that's in the Bible is really meant to be as are other stories, but specifically the Bible in this case, there's something in there that's actually for us to actually apply to our own lives because we, we see, like you said, all of any story that we're attracted to has truth in it. Um, of course, this has ultimate truth, but I think it's very important to see that God acts for his people in, in times of need yeah, and that we are grateful, but then we turn away. I mean, just even reading the story and why, helping our kids see the story of Moses taking them out and all the miracles that happened as a result leading up to that. I mean, all the plagues and stuff. And then finally they're being sent out. And then the, uh, pillar of fire and the pillar of smoke and, and the division of the Red Sea and them walking through it. And then they go 40 days, I mean, 40 years of wandering because they don't fully trust God that they can go in. And that's a good, that's a, that's, that's our own experience. At least it's my own experience. If you've ever actually done a Google maps directions Uh of how far they walked, you can walk it in like 30 days or something like oh, that. Really? If, <laughs> so, you know, they were really wandering in circles for a while there. Right. And so, and, and it's, and, but the, the crazy thing is you read it as a story, but you're like, why in the world are they don't have faith if he can divide the Red right. Sea, if he can, if he can conquer the most powerful army in one foul swoop on our behalf. And yet, we don't have enough faith to march in <laughs> and take this land because they're giants down there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's my lived experience because I have seen God act, but I've also recognized that as time goes by, well, maybe he won't act this time. Maybe he won't. So I think trying to integrate a story into your life or situations. Yeah. And I think it can be, you know, if, for parents that maybe aren't reading as much as they would like to with their kids, that can be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. You know, um, you and I both have a background in right. English and literature. And so it, it's pretty natural for us. Um, and, but I don't think that it's as intimidating as you think it is. As long as you know, going into it, that there are going to be teachable moments, as long as you know that there's going to be points of connection between the story that you're reading and your life, the story that you're reading in your children's lives, um, you'll find them. Right. And uh, one of the most powerful points of connection that, you know, I've ever uh, had kind of like, or ever used in teaching was um, I taught for six years at a school for boys that had committed sexual offenses. Oh, wow. And so they're staying there in dorms, going to therapy and they've got to go to school. And, um, uh, at the end of a Shakespeare um, unit, uh, we watched um, Kenneth Branagh's Henry V. And in Henry V, uh, it begins with him kind of being a bit of a roustabout, kind of, you know, uh, hanging out with thieves and a disgraced knight and stuff. And um, But once his father dies and he ascends to the throne, he makes that decision to take his responsibility seriously. And there's a scene in which um, the disgraced knight, John uh, Falstaff, says to him, he's like, you know, forget those other guys that we've run around with, but don't forget old John. You know, you can't forget old John. And Henry looks him in the eyes and he says, I know thee not, old man. And I used to stop there and talk to my class. I say, one day you're going to finish this therapy program 
And you're going to have to go back home to where all your old friends yeah. are doing all the same old stuff. And you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to take your new responsibility seriously because you know better now. And they might not. Right. And you're going to have to say, I know thee not to your old friends. And the jaws that hit, would hit the floor in that moment and wow. just the impact of that truth on them. And it, ma it made it more real because one of the most common things was they would go back home. They'd fall back in with their old friends. And they'd get in trouble again. That was right. a very common occurrence. Um, but that, that made it real. And that's the power of storytelling. Right. And that's in that, and that by itself, because they've, they, it, it's a story when you're reading a story, you kind of get, if it's a good one, you, you, you're engaged with it. You kind of get to know the, the characters. And so when somebody says that, and then all of a sudden you turn around on them, they've already kind of been engaged because one of the things you want to teach your kids, your students, every yourself is put yourself in. That's, I mean, that's part of Lexio Divina. I mean, right. I mean when you read scripture, you're supposed to put yourself into it. And I think it kind of naturally happens in good stories because there's a hero, there's somebody you relate to, there's somebody that's there, and that's why it has such an impact. But that's a great teaching tool because you could have said, you could have said the exact same thing, just said, and it would have still been as true, mm -hmm. hey, Someday you're going to have to tell your friends you can't be friends anymore because when you go back, if you don't want to end up back here again or whatever, right, right. that would have hardly any impact separate from something that they had already kind of been invested in and kind of understand that or at least can think. They could be on John Falstaff's side, right? I mean, it doesn't matter where they fall on – who they relate to, but the story itself allows us to enter into it. And then it becomes something that's kind of part of us. Like you take stories with you. Yeah. I mean, you might not take lecture notes with you, except for like studying right before you take a test. But there's something about stories that always resonate. I mean, they kind of, they kind of become part of who you are. That's why I'm a big advocate for memorizing oh, um, poetry, so. memorizing Psalms. Um, because when you take the time to memorize something, you know, it takes a lot of repetition and um, it becomes a part, it becomes just like you integrate it into yourself in a way. Right. Um, and children are far better at memorizing things than we give them credit for. Uh, when my son Gus was, I don't know, two and a half, three years old, he had about 70% of you of uh, Alfred Lord Tennyson's Ulysses memorized because I've read it to him every night and wow. I could start a line and he would finish it. And it's over a, it's a poem over a hundred lines. Right. Um, it blew my mind that he could do that. All of a sudden I was, I would read it to him every night because it was about an adventurer and stuff, you know? And then all of a sudden I noticed he was saying the words with me. Right. And, and so um, I think, memorizing, putting an emphasis on memorizing and poem poetry is great for that because it's shorter and oftentimes there's a, there's a rhythm that, that helps you memorize and stuff like that. Um, yeah, we, no, I think that, I think that's great. You're right. They, even if you don't make, I mean, encouraging them to memorize, but if they like a story, even if, mm, if you don't, yeah. cause they're going to want to hear it. Cause Read I, cause my, my, my oldest son, in one of those beginner's Bible, his favorite story was David and Goliath. Right, right. And, and what we started realizing, he said, let me read. Well, he was not even three years old. He, was, he couldn't read. But verbatim could do the, do the entire story of David and Goliath, um, which in and of itself is a great story about a young boy who has faith in God and— he used to always love to say this bat this battle is the Lord's. I mean, I can still mm -hmm. hear that little two year old. He's twenty seven, <laughs> twenty eight. I don't up there now, but I can still hear that voice. So there was something to talk about. But it talked it. He was learning about courage. He had ingrained words 
that, I mean, the fact that he, to this day, you know, if I said, what do you remember about it, about the David and Goliath when you were a little kid? And it's, this battle is the Lord's. And I'm like, it, it always is the Lord's. Right? right. Yeah. So, um, there's just such great opportunity to, to look. And like you said, you had a teachable moment with your students, but those will always come up, um, in that. So any sort of story is worthwhile. I mean, I can think of so many things. One of the things that just came to my mind was something that I've never forgotten. I remember driving with my grandfather when I was probably, I might've been in college. Um, I think we were going fishing or something. And um, I might've been in high school, but he told a story about um, the, about when my mother was born, come to find out, didn't know, but was talking about how, um, it was like a 40 hour, um, I mean, delivery, I mean, and, and that at one point the doctor said, you might lose all of your, (laughs) like your wife, if we don't, if this doesn't work, I mean, this would have been back in the late, well, 41. And, um, he's telling me that story and he, and and then he would say the you know the thing that got me through was my faith and trusting that that God was going to do it and no matter what happened that he was going to be there and so that's the kind of stuff from real life because that's what you have to bring this to your your own life you have to bring the bible and the stories and the character of god and the character of us and the situations that just because we're human that lead to suffering mm-hmm. are part of life. Yeah. And, and I think and be prudent, but, but don't shy away from hard stories with your kids. Right. You have, I think you have to be prudent based on where they are. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a prayerful decision. Um, and some at different times in their life, you have to say, okay, that's not appropriate now. But almost always, at some point, it's worth telling the story, right? Yeah. So that so that you can communicate. Okay, this is how something that happened in my life, something like that, could happen in yours. He didn't say that, but it didn't take much to get. Well, that could happen, mm-hmm. and to put myself in that situation, I was old enough to go. What would that be like? I mean, you have twins coming. They ended up losing one of the twins. My mother was the the one that survived, and my my grandmother made it and he would frequently tell stories of god's hand in their life he would tell the story and express his faith but the story had more of an impact on what i remember and the lesson was easy to remember you didn't have to remember the lesson you remember the story the lesson is implicit is implicit in it and so I've shared some of those stories with, with my own kids. And think about that. That's that's literally what the church is meant to be. We're meant to be we're meant to be a domestic church, right? So so, what does the church do? The jur- the church has the Bible and the stories from the Bible, but it also has millennia of of saints where you you hear the story. There are things written about them which is why those are very important too. So as a parent, if you, it's, it's not too hard to find liturgy of the hours, um, even on your, on your iPhone. Um, and you can, and you can read writings of them, which t- many times are stories. So you can read about the martyrdom of, um, I forget it. You, you read about martyr people that witness the martyrdom of people like St. Lawrence. I know that's the one, the kids always like because like the patron saint of barbecue, right? Right. Cause he, cause and comedians, he, I think, and comedians right? too, because he's you know his punishment was was thrown on a on a fire like a grill, and apparently you know at some point he says you know I'm done on this side, come and flip me over. <laughs> but but so there's there's humor there, there's mm-hmm. courage in the face of tremendous. Um, external pressures to deny who Jesus is to do that. And and you want to foster that sense of 
hey, this, this could be me. And, and courageous faith. And courageous faith, a faith that's not afraid to stand up when the easiest thing to do would be to say nothing. And so I, I think that's, I think that that's something that I remember where it, it meant so much to me. And my dad tells lots of stories. Um, and so I hear that my mom used to as well. And it was always involving, well, you remember uncle so-and-so or whatever. So you're, you're hearing the story about your family that they may, they may have passed away or whatever. Or, I mean, I, those things have stuck with me for decades in terms of, I remember the story mm-hmm. and and the meaning and how it has impact on us. So I would, you know, I would ask, I would tell every parent out there, look, God's going to give you the grace as the primary educator of of your children, whether you're a teacher or not. Guaranteed. If he gave you the children, it is guaranteed that you can do it. Don't be afraid to step a little bit out. I'm not, don't bite off more than you can chew, but whatever you're comfortable, start with something small, mm-hmm. but start to share stories. One of the exercises that I think with regard to the stories is, especially if, if you're married with your wife, as you go through one of, the, one of the great exercises of ours is to kind of go back and try to remember things like, well, how did we meet? What all had to happen? Mm. And as it had happened, I don't think any put it, but in, in retrospect, as you look back upon it, you can see God's hand in it. Right. Therefore, you can tell the story and go, wow, do you realize all the things that had to happen that were so unlikely that brought your mother and me together? It wasn't like we knew each other. We came from different towns. There was a school had to shut down. You had to have come to Astro World for your 18th birthday and meet this guy who you reconnect with four years later. Well, the school shuts down and that person's mother becomes a friend of my mother because their younger boys are playing together. And you move to Houston and the only friend you have is this guy that you met four years ago. And you get to meet his mother. His mother tells my mother Hey, you need trainees to meet this girl. And that's how I met. So that's how we met. And the rest is today's history. Yeah, <laughs> no, but, but, but those are kind of stories that I think don't be afraid to look back at your own life. And sometimes you'll all of a sudden recognize, wow, there was an awful lot that was not in our control that led to this. So I think as a couple, yeah, I think it's a good idea to look back at, your journeys and together and to recall, and you might actually see God's hand in those things. If that's the case, package it, tell your own story to your kids because they'll want to hear it. Right? So if you're talking about God working in your life, you can say that God loves you. God acts. God does this. Well, that's great. Where do you get the stories? Well, that's what he did back in the Bible. No, <laughs> he did it in our life, and this is the way he does it. It's not always as apparent when it happens. It's almost never apparent when it happens, right? And then, and then you <laughs> That's look a back. special grace to right. know that it's happening when it's happening. When it's happening, and then you look back and you can do it. So I, I mean, I think that first off, I think it would be a good exercise for any couple to kind of go back and and rehash how they went. The longer you've been together, it's harder to remember. But I mean, we started doing it. And I think it's a game changer with the intention of sharing with your kids. So your kids know my, I, I think we've mentioned this before, but my, my mother died when, after we, before we even had our third child. So the third child, fourth, fifth and sixth, the triplets never met her, but we've told stories about her forever. So Kingsley is in eighth or ninth grade and asked to write a poem about a person that they know that's had an impact on their life. Stephanie gets a call from her 
from school saying, how old was I when Mamu died? <laughs> you weren't, <laughs> you weren't even, I mean, you weren't even a glint in your father's eye. I mean, uh, that was four years before you were born. And so I think that's a good thing. And all the good things that that person did for you as a parent, I tell stories about how she corrected me and how that had an impact on my life, how she guided me the way she did it. Sometimes, uh, not as, um, some a little bit audacious. I mean, mom, mom would always come up with ways to get my attention good or bad. It, it doesn't matter. What's important is you're, you're relaying to them that, okay, I was once your age. I've been through this. I've had a, I've had a crazy parent <laughs> in, in the best sense of the term. And, and so you're going to look back and do that. I mean, and even I think the kids get it. I've, we've talked on here before about Stephanie's killing of the Xbox. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard that story. But I don't think so. Anyway, bottom line is my wife had told my son, who was home from college, University of Dallas, so, and he was playing lots of video games. And she was like, okay, we got to not do this. Well, the bottom line is uh, she, um, she had told him, hey, you need to stop. Well, he went upstairs play didn't know he was upstairs nobody could see all the kids were at home doing work so he's playing online video game and it was lagging so he comes stomping down like what is everybody doing you're messing up my game i can't win well they were all doing homework well which stephanie was like hey, wait a second you're visiting so they they go uh i'm in the shower and i hear the stomping down and i'm like okay that doesn't sound good and then I hear stomping up and then I hear stomping down. Well, I'm like, okay, something's not happening here. That's, that's good. So I get out, get dressed. I come out and my daughter comes out, the oldest, the oldest daughter, and she is just cracking up. And I said, what? And she goes, mom killed the Xbox. <laughs> so she literally ripped the Xbox out, went outside and took a hammer to it. <laughs> <laughs> Not recommending that, although she was a hero one time when I told that story to a bunch of parents and all the kids were like, no, don't ever do that. But he was so mad. But what I, what I the reason I brought this up was, the, here's the funny thing, is my daughter looks at my son who is extraordinarily angry. Like he's, I come out about the time he's telling, well, you owe me 350 bucks. And I said, Trevor, probably not a good time. So let's not, but Madison looks at him and goes, do you realize like 20 years from now, how great a story this is going to be? <laughs> and so I, I'm just saying, you know, you, you build a culture of, of telling stories, which, you know, communicate um, a little about who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you don't want to also paint a perfect picture because what are you doing? You're trying to prepare them to go into life. And if you, make it look or make them feel like your family is perfect and there's no problems. Which, I mean, if they've lived long enough in our house, it doesn't take any <laughs> fixing of that. But, but the bottom line is, is it's important for them to understand that all these people who we hold up, uh, my mom, my dad, my grandparents, they were just human beings like everybody else. We tell good stories about them they had issues. We have, we have issues. You're going to have issues. Your yeah. spouse is going to have issues. And that all comes from telling stories appropriately. And I think when you're reading a story, you, you can pick out characters like that. Right. Um, you know, like reading Lord of the Rings right. and, and Boromir uh, lusts after the ring and he has, he, he tries to take the ring, but then you can teach, you know, here he is a person that did a bad thing. But look how he redeemed himself, you know, defending right. Mary and Pippin. Um, you know, you can see uh, Tom, we were just reading Tom's story the other day, and Tom and Huckleberry borrow a raft from somebody that wasn't around. Oh, <laughs> in quotes. And, yeah. um, and I looked at my son and I was like, what does it mean that they borrowed the raft from someone that was absent? And he was like, 
they stole it. And I was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, they're going to bring it back, right? But, you know, Tom and, and Tom and Huck are kind of troublemakers, aren't they? And he's like, yeah, but even though they're troublemakers, they're still good. Right. And you can kind of teach that there is a little bit of like, um, that, that, that life's not one dimensional, you right. know, that, um, that there is nuance to things, um, that, uh, our lives might be messy. Someone might wrong you, but like they can make it up to you. They can, um, and, and you can show that, you know, uh, we, we read Beowulf oh, yeah. and, um, Beowulf and Unferth obviously dislike each other. You know, Beowulf says, um, you know, those are bold words, but I think it's mostly the beer talking Unferth, you know, and he insults him and they ins- go back and forth with insults. Well, later they, they exchange gifts and later they, they exchange words of friendship and stuff like that. And so you can also use that. Um, it, it's not always just a single moment in a story either, but like the whole story. Right. Look how, look how, even though they didn't like each other, they were able to come together and things like you can always find stuff like that. Right. And, and, and I, I mean, I'm just in my head, I'm thinking of all the stories that, that are coming to mind that my grandfather told me. Right. Little stories that all had a message. I mean. And sometimes you don't even have to explicitly say the message. No, you don't. I mean, you know, he, I mean, one of the stories, a Catholic boy grew up in Austin. A lot of people, and it was, it taught me something I didn't know. KKK didn't, weren't particularly fond of the Catholics back in the, in the (laughs) twenties. And, and he told the story, he, his dad was not a, was Protestant. They raised the kids Catholic. Mom was Catholic. And he said, I woke up one night in the middle of the night to a burning cross in our front yard. And, and they, and they came out and they came and were banging on the door and said, um, he's telling a story as a little kid. He's like, I can remember them banging on the door saying, Mr. King, we're not after you. We just want your wife and kids. <laughs> and he said, he, he remembers, he said, get behind me, put a chair down, loaded a gun. And he said, you, you, you can't come in here and get them. But if you come in, if you do try to come in here, the first six of y'all are going to get killed. And he said, and they, they left. But I don't remember him telling a story, but that was a little bit about you think you know persecution, you don't really know persecution. A little bit about what's a dad's role, a little bit of, for, for a family. I mean, all of that is kind of ingrained in that story, and it's one that I'll never forget. And he didn't have to explain the lesson of that story. He didn't, but, but I vividly remember it. Right. And so that's the kind of stuff that we don't always have don't always have those moments, but I think if you prayerfully discern, you can find glimpses of things in your own life that allow you to open up to your to your kids with regard to telling stories about yourself. That, hey, I'm not perfect. This is how this worked out. Um, this is how I probably should have handled that. Whatever. But but I think again, getting back to it putting storytelling in as one of the tools in your basket. And and the easiest thing is to just read something, do that. Read something good. Read something, yeah, right. Read something good. Um, the Bible, and for little kids, I'm telling you, get one of those simple kind of, like I said, a beginner's Bible, which is, you know, not scripture, but it's the story so that they know about Adam and Eve and David and Goliath and maybe they – you know, know about Samson and other, other people, and then kind of bring them in that way. And, you know, where was God in that story? Questions like, the, where, where did you see God act? What do you, you know, just to have a conversation about it. You don't always have to, but that is, I think, essential to being able to teach that. One of my great, sometimes in movies are another thing when appropriate, um, our favorite movie as a family is every is every year is It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. We actually did a whole show on It's a Wonderful Life several years ago, and to this day, my kids every Christmas Eve, 
we they'll say, when are we going to watch It's a Wonderful Life? We watch it every night. But but if you haven't seen that movie, I'm not going to get into the theology of the movie. I mean, uh, but the story itself is one of somebody having dreams and the dream not coming to fruition because they were obligated and they followed their duty for the place that they were in life and basically reaches a point where like, I've never done anything that was worthwhile. And now my life is, I want to die and God comes and the rest of the movie as he's standing on a bridge about to throw himself off. The rest of the movie is God saying, okay, I'll let you see what it's like. What would have happened if you had never been born? It's a, it's a, um, reversal of everything. Carol. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just, that's a great thing from the standpoint of it makes you realize multiple things, but I, but I love to show it to the kids because sometimes your duty does mean that the dreams that you have, God may have other plans found in I'm responsible for this. Yeah. It's Jonah and the whale. It's, I mean, it's, it's recurring Mm -hmm. (laughs) throughout the Bible. Um, but you can find stories like that. I mean, if, if it's, if they have something that they like, for example, I mean, my kids love baseball, the movie, the rookie, which is a true story about, about a, a guy who was going to be a great pitcher, hurt his arm, never made it in baseball, became a baseball coach out in West Texas and, um, was just throwing and some of their kids were like, you need to go try out. You're good. He's never checked his, he never checked how fast he threw the ball. And the kids say, well, if we'll, if we'll do what you do and if we win all these games, then you have to promise us that you'll go try out. And he goes, oh yeah, right. And so he goes and um, ends up, he's throwing about 95 and he does. And you know, he's, six years out of playing baseball and true story. He goes play for the, I think he played against the Rangers in his first start, but things about perseverance and surprises that life's bring. I mean, those are, those are all things that we should be looking for to kind of say life doesn't always go the way you want it. And you can tell somebody that, but if you can show the story and even when it doesn't go the way you want it, it may be exactly what God had for you. There's wisdom in it, you know? Right. Um, the Lord of the Rings, right. the, yeah, they destroy the rings, but uh, look at some of the characters. They're they're weary. And you right. know, look at Frodo at the end. He's weary yeah. and he right. can't. Um, exactly. Uh, but, but he's but he's lived up to his responsibilities and, and even taken responsibilities that necess- weren't necessarily his own, but he took them on and he was the right person for the job. And um, look at the look at the kings uh, that you know they're weary now. They're but they've but through that hardship is wi- they've gained wisdom, right? Um, you know through through the hardships, and so you know it's it's it, stories are all about conflict because it's not a good story if it's there's no you conflict. Have to have some conflict, yeah. and um, and I think one of the, just the things that you in every story is that. Um, conflict, hardship, tribulation, struggle is something that God gives you to grow closer to Him, to right. grow in virtue, to grow in wisdom. Um, another thing I used to always tell my students is um, uh, from Beowulf is Hrothgar says to Beowulf at one point, he gives him some advice and he says, I who have wintered into wisdom. And one of the things I always told them, it was one of the first week of class usually. It's like, um, as your teacher, and I want this for my students or for my children as well, is I don't, everyone grows old. Not everyone grows wise. And I want you to not just grow old, but to grow wise. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Mother Angelica had a, had a, had a comment about that. Cause somebody's talking about gray hair and stuff. She goes, you know, gray hair doesn't always mean that you're wise. In fact, there's nothing more offensive than a gray headed stupid person. 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I may have misquoted, but it was something along those lines. But I guess the I guess the bottom line is um we want to encourage you to take advantage of stories because there's so much that can be gleaned from it. And if you find one the kids like, they'll ask for it over and over again. And that's not a bad thing. And just suck it up and do the voices. Just suck it up and do the voices. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's um hopefully this is helpful for y'all. I, I I just can't stress strongly enough. I think it is so critical to create culture, to create um, opportunities for teachable moments, to sh- give them kind of flesh on the bone, even if it's just watching. It's how God made us. It's right. in our DNA. It's, it's the, yeah, it's the way we are. We've been telling stories for hundreds of thousands of years. Exactly. So don't forget about telling stories. Don't just put them in front of the TV. Do it together. You can put them in front of movies sometimes, but do some of it together. But anyway, we draw to the close. So just remember, you can't, only God can take the mystery out of parenthood. Pray, parent with a purpose, and prepare for God to amaze you. He always will. God bless you guys, and uh, see you later. Bye. Bye.